Hello and welcome to Do It Justice, your local bi-weekly podcast on which a guest speaker and I discuss three ideas all under one umbrella theme, or as I like to call it, debate with a mate. Thank you for coming back to the second episode, or if you're new, thanks for tuning in. I want to preface this video, but this podcast, by saying that no one is being harmed during the making of this episode, thanks to the website Clean Feed, which enables my guest speaker and I to have a discussion without needing to leave our homes. I also want to give a disclaimer that this podcast will deal with topics that include sex, porn, rape and homophobia, so if these are trigger topics for you, this episode might not be your cup of tea. However, before I move on to introduce you to our new guest speaker, I want to add two things I managed to forget when recording last week's episode. So if you haven't yet listened to that, this won't really make sense to you. First of all, I was informed that Johnson named his son Wilfred Lowry or Laurie Nicholas Johnson after two of the doctors that helped him recover in hospital in order to pay respects to all their hard work. I also want to make it clear that when I said women should have the option to have both a career and family, that doesn't mean they have to juggle both. They have every right to choose between the two if they want. The most important thing is that society doesn't limit them to have to choose between the two. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Joe onto the podcast. How are you? Hiya. <laughs> Hi, Joe. How are you? How are you doing? How are you holding yeah, up? Well, not too bad. How are you? I'm good. Good. Just trying to stay safe and sane, really. Just trying to stay safe, you exactly. know, wash some hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, how's quarantine been treating you? Well, as we all know, um, I've had my job as a key worker at Tesco. Absolutely. You've been on that front line. We've been saluting I've been on you. the front line, um, but unfortunately, <laughs> they've decided that they wanted to get rid of me. So I've recently end. been laid off. Yeah, but to be fair, you've, you have like earned a lot of money for uni. I'm honestly so jealous. I've got a bit of coin, so, you know, the expensive cocktails are going to be rolling around come September. Can't exactly. Wait. I'll be visiting you in Leeds. You better buy me one. <laughs> yeah, uh, degrade yourself going from Oxford to Leeds. <laughs> no, I'm, honestly, I'm looking forward to the Leeds nights out because I'm just really scared whether Oxford's going to live up to Leeds. But we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Exactly. So um, the theme for this week is... Um, sex and LGBT, right? LGBT issues more, yes. more time. And so the, fir- the the kind of the three topics we're going to touch on um, are gay couples and their rights to adopt children and whether that creates uh, quote unquote queer children. Um, we're just going to be discussing sex education mm-hmm. in the UK and our experience of it and whether it needs revitalising or not. And also, um, yes. kind of in that realm, whether porn should be banned or not. So those are our three topics. Um, quite yes. um, interesting ones. They're not. They're not really yeah. as, as boring as politics, are they? They're quite fun ones. No, they're yeah. a bit out there. That's <laughs> yeah, great. exactly. So let's start with um, whether gay couples like should be allowed to adopt children now. Obviously, I hope every single person listening, the answer for them would be straight away, yes, of course. It's yes. a human right, right? Hopefully. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. <laughs> and if not, I hope you can change your mind. But what you, initially, when you hear stuff like this, when you hear people bring up this this kind of topic, what what's your initial reaction to it? Although there is, there is a difference because it could be two men or two women uh, raising, obviously, a child. Mm. But I don't think the quality of care is any lessened by the sex of the actual parents. Absolutely, like, yeah. The dynamic is just, it's so unique to each and every case. I don't think you should pinpoint um, just by the sex of someone or label them saying you are not equipped to... To love or to Yeah, to, yeah, to love, yeah to, yeah, to bring up a child based on the fact that you are a man loving a man or a woman loving a woman. Yeah, I completely agree. I think also what people think is, 
like people often get worried like oh well the kid's gonna grow up really unbalanced and stuff and it's like well often a lot of the time obviously because gay couples can't naturally um, reproduce right mm-hmm. so they have to go through like IVF or I don't know the other procedures or adoption quite a lot of the time when gay couples taking children to raise as their own they're like saving children from living like horrible lives in care right. homes without anyone without a permanent figure in their life exactly it's taking them out of a system that could be really harmful and they could maybe not escape from if them if these parents, if these um, homosexual parents didn't actually exist. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it it does, like, make me sad that um, people would genuinely say, like, I'd rather them not um, have parents at all than have homophobic, uh, than have um, homosexual uh, parents. Because I just can't understand it. Because, the like, for me, like, as someone who potentially wants to have children, my main goal for my children would be to raise them with someone that I love and raise them with love and with like self-confidence and the ability to determine what like what they want in Just life. Just teach them the ways of life, yeah, basically. Like values and morals that you don't necessarily need a man or a woman for. That's what that's what my issue yeah. is. Because whilst I, I I do kind of understand the fact that like, you know, men and women are very different. Um, mm-hmm. What's the saying? Is it like men are from Venus or women something? Women from Mars. Women are from Mars. Yeah, well, something I, I think like it might that. be men are from Mars and women are, women are from Venus. I honestly yeah. don't know though. But yeah, no, totally. Like we are like different um, in a lot of ways, and I do think we can bring different aspects to parenting. But that's yeah, not, but that's, a valid that's point. not to say that like just a a, a woman and um, a family with two uh, women in it can't raise a child. Right. Exactly. And. I think it does bring in this this idea of the debate between nature versus nurture. Yeah. Like, are you know, in terms of the question, like, does it actually create queer children? Yeah. A lot of people do miss, uh, like, they misinterpret, um, basically possible characteristics that could be shaped by your upbringing and yeah. who you actually are on the inside. Because obviously, personally, I think it's quite obvious. I'm a flaming homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you know, what's, um, your, what's your view on that? Do you think that your parents um, kind of nurtured you and raised you like that? What, what do you think? So I've always said, um, personally, in my experience, I never got a choice. Yeah, which is I would, what most people uh, say. If yeah. I could turn back time to like a flipper switch, I would probably ter- be straight because it's an easier life. Like you don't yeah, have the... Um, the homophobia, the kind of Stigma, feeling that you're the anomaly. Yeah, outside of feeling, yeah, totally. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and the, outsider, the lack of basically. representation in a lot of high roles as well. Right. I think that's a lot yeah, of things exactly. that, that queer people um, struggle with. But I would say I'm the youngest of five, so I was always at like, the baby of the family. Yeah. Um, so I do think nurture does play a part in terms of possible characteristics that you may possess. Yeah, okay. Like, for example, so I was the baby of the family, I was like kind of put under like a bubble (laughs) yeah yeah totally and I do think that sometimes like did infringe on like my personality obviously we all have character genes don't we yeah um but I do think the environment does shape your personality yet that is not to say that your environment determines your sexuality yeah but also that's because stereotypically when we think of gay males we think of like flamboyant characters who um, yeah have, like, exactly I probably don't help with that stereotype <laughs> potentially have like more female um feminine traits and stuff like that but that's not that's not the case with all um homosexual men is it and so that's where it, the kind of argument comes in the fact that like whilst um all like I'd say that the majority of homosexuals would say that it wasn't a choice um mm-hmm. 
um, I would say that definitely like character is nurtured from family, but that's the same with everyone. That's the same with straight people. Right, yeah. That's the same. You could have just a really like feminine dad, for example. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you could get the exact same traits from having a feminine dad who's in a heterosexual relationship yeah. than with a feminine dad that's in a homosexual relationship. Yeah. And so so when people say, when I, when I hear people say, you know, um, uh, queer parents brings up queer children, I don't necessarily think that that's true. What I think it is, is that fundamentally, I think that if you are part of the LGBT community, you are part of the LGBT. LGBT community, because it's a mouthful, isn't it? Mm. Like, like, end <laughs> I know, of. It's like, and it becomes Q plus. <laughs> yeah, it's it's honestly a massive mouthful when all of uh-huh. these things get added on. Tongue twister. Yeah, but um, I think that what it is is that when you grow up with queer parents, you see that as a other um as an other option almost because obviously the world is very heteronormative, right? And yeah. so like me growing up with like two straight parents, like uh, a man, a man. A man and a woman god that was easy and like (laughs) it's easy for me to like presume that's the only option right and as we will later discuss if there's not sex education and there's not education about different types of families how are children meant to know that one that even exists but two that's an option for them and so I don't think that necessarily children who come from a queer family are more likely to be queer I think that they have a higher I think they have an easier um time exploring that as an option and if that is an option for them they want to go into they have um they they accept it a lot easier right yeah no i completely agree it's people model model up the understanding and the becoming of an lgbt person god i can't say it now (laughs) (laughs) yeah no totally that's it isn't it yeah no exactly and i think with um the idea of just LGBT people becoming parents themselves, I think there is a lot of support needed for them because they are making the conscious decision to progress in their relationship by bringing a child into their dynamic. Yeah. And And rather than questioning them. Yeah, go on, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Just rather than questioning them, I think you should offer that aid that they are going to need, just like any other couple would need. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if anything, um, like I don't, I'm not going to, like I am going to overgeneralize, but I, I I acknowledge that I'm overgeneralizing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the times when straight couples um conceive, uh, quite a lot of the time it's by accident, right? And right, so, yeah. if anything, the argument is that when queer couples decide to have a baby, it's a lot more purposeful. It's a lot more thought out. It's a lot more considering the fact that they will love their child, whatever, because of the fact mm-hmm. that obviously, um, a lot of the reasons why parents reject their children is because that they are part of the LGBT community, so they don't have that worry. Like for me, I just think that um, queer parents they just have a lot more purpose and love in their in their reasoning to have a child. Right. Yeah. No, I completely agree with some heterosexual couples obviously not to say that every heteros- heterosexual baby uh, couple that brings a baby into the world it's an accident mm. but um the ones that are accidents it's quite spur of the moment um and if they do decide to keep the baby then they have to plan quite quickly whereas with gay couples they do have to think out the process they do yeah. have to plan and they have to prepare so exactly like what you said i'm reiterating it it's a thoughtful decision. It is, totally. And that's why I kind of support it. So, not only because it's literally a human right, but also because of the fact that when I actually think about it, they have to put so much more time and effort into actually... Right. It's like family care, right? Pl- family planning. And so for that, I just like take my hat off to them because I think also the fact that they're going against all the stigma around it. I, think, I just think it's wonderful. Yeah, same. I think it's a really progressive step. And I think we're seeing more of it and it is becoming more normalised. Yeah, um, totally. And that's something that 
it is great to great to see, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I think we came to a, a nice little conclusion with that. Nice one. little roundup. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so to move on to sex education in the UK now, this is the kind big two of words. yes, yeah. They they hold <laughs> they hold a lot of meaning, don't they? Because for me, sex education was in science. We saw um, a photo of a penis erect, or as I like to say it when I was in year seven, a penis and a vagina. A Which penis, was, yep, yeah, of course you said classic, it that way. Yeah, but that literally comes from a lack of sex education, so thanks, mum and dad. But, um, yeah, embarrassing <laughs> myself in front of everyone, but I learnt my lesson hard, right? Yeah, you learnt your lesson. <laughs> but, yeah, so I literally, all like, pretty much all that I can remember is um, I saw uh, a penis erect, um, I saw a vagina, and then I saw them both, you know, having a little party together, having a little tango. Yeah. Um, and that, that was it. That was, like, I remember my, my science teacher... Um, she was not the nicest person. She was very hostile as a person. She was not a very good person to give sex education, especially to like vulnerable like um, people who are like kind of learning themselves about it and learning that like you right, know, exactly who am I attracted to? Oh, this is the thing that people do. But yeah, what was your experience of sex education? I, I imagine it's quite similar. Yeah, so very similar because we did go to the same school. Yeah. And can I just first and foremost say, I'm so annoyed that we didn't get the condom and cucumber class. Oh my God, everyone raved yes. about that, didn't they? Everyone raved about that? Yeah. And we didn't get it. No, I, I mean, know. what did they do? Did they think that like they looked at us and said, no, they're not getting some sort of love? <laughs> they didn't need we it. They're not about them. <laughs> exactly. They didn't need it. No. God, well, I don't know. I just remember, I remember like someone's um, sibling, like older siblings saying like that that was the lesson. I don't know whether they made it up or like it genuinely just like, stopped happening when it got to around to our age but I was fuming when I found out we weren't yeah, going to do that absolutely livid but um <laughs> when, when we talk about when does uh, does sex education need revitalizing I think whilst we say at least in my opinion it does I think we do need to stress the importance of it first yeah yeah um, totally it does stop it being so taboo especially the age that we're taught it we're taught it I think is it year seven yeah yeah I think year seven year eight yeah yeah so year seven eight we're going through a lot of change not just in terms of our environment because we've moved from primary to secondary but within our body as well yeah exactly. Our biological body that we don't really um even see until maybe like a year later no totally. so I think it does offer some information in a time of such uncertainty and it educates and allows people to possibly make informed decisions when they're older yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think um, a lot of the problems right now that teenagers and young adults are dealing with when it comes to their sex lives is like um, the blurred line between consent, which isn't a blurred line, by the way, but, you know, the stigmatised blurred line. um, And the fact that, like, um, contraception, can, can they have that conversation with their partner? I've always said to people... Um, you know, I'm a, <laughs> um, I love giving out advice to people, but I always say to people, yeah, like, if, if, you, if you and your partner can't talk about contraception, you are way too young or way, the, the relationship is way too premature to even it's be so true. There's sex. not a dialogue, then go back to your match attacks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, like literally. And, and I feel so sad because I feel like a lot of people in my year and like in other schools that I've heard like horror stories about if they would have been told that they wouldn't have um, done the things that they did with people when they were too young mm-hmm. and like I know everything is a learning curve and you know mistakes get made like it, everything we do learn from things we grow from things but I just think that the, the the lack of sex education that was given to me by my school was dangerous and the implications of that seen in a lot of individuals in my year who are now messed up from bad times or bad experiences or just like just that whole general conversation 
No, exactly. I completely agree. Like we as a whole, we did not get enough. And I'm guessing this is kind of universally applicable to all of the UK. And I don't know about overseas, but we don't get the vital tools that we need to do something that is so ingrained in just humans and so important and and it can it really can be like a special loving thing if that's what you make of it but a lot of young teens don't because they see it as this like act like I don't this like activity that you like there's a lot of pressure to do it and yeah like you don't want to talk about like the actual fine details of like um have you brought contraception or should I be on the pill yeah exactly and it's just even things like oh he's gonna go to the shop and buy it like yeah, how embarrassing exactly. is that and it shouldn't be embarrassing because at the end of the day like the like majority of us 99% of us will go on to have sex right Mm -hmm. and so it's like at one point in our life we are going to have to do that so we might as well get over the taboo so to kind of go back to the sex education that was given in schools I do think that it is dangerous the fact that they don't talk to us and inform us about consent and contraception and stuff like this um, yeah, I just think that it's really dangerous. And I think it's very dangerous too. Yeah, and we both went to Catholic schools for primary and secondary school, right? Exactly. This brings in a whole other issue. Yeah, because, like, I've had conversations with a lot of people and a lot of people... So I've, I've had a conversation with a teacher about this before because I said I just think it's really negligent of the school to basically avoid the topic completely when they know... Full, like they fully know that people are having sex in their school mm-hmm. yet they still avoid the, the, the topic and I think it is so outdated for Catholic schools and Christian schools or schools of any religion to ignore that part of the syllabus and say no we're not going to do that we're not going to focus on it because they are out of their minds if they think that people aren't going to go and do it so why would you it's like it's it's so stupid they know it's happening yeah so it boggles my mind yeah like, does it does it anger you as much as it angers me? It really does. And I think this is why there needs to be such a stress of, we do learn in year seven, but let's be real. We are all still figuring things out then. When we get to year 10, year 11, like the GCSE years, I think that it should be stressed more on the syllabus there. I think, honestly, um, Also, yeah. because I... then this is a time where we are more sexually active and we're going to act upon what we've learned. Yeah. Or, or act what, upon we've what not... we could learn. Yeah, of what we've not learned. Exactly. And like, I just think that I think sex education should be incorporated into every single year, year seven, year eight, year nine, year 10, 11, because a lot, I, I appreciate a lot of people worry, well, what about if you tell my son something too early when he doesn't need to know it? And it's like, I get that, you know, too mm-hmm. early can be a problem. Too early is better than too late. But yeah. That's and why also, I, go on. So it's also better than hearing it wrong. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've heard like horror stories from friends yeah. um, online where people have been misinformed by older siblings or by parents who have just neglected. Um, there's a grooming. There's a reason grooming exists. Oh yeah, totally, absolutely. Because people aren't made aware that this is wrong. It's like I spoke yeah. to my mum about it, and um, there was a really tragic case where, like in my school, like a girl, like like a lot of young girls get um, prep preyed on is that the right word yeah by older boys and they don't know it's wrong because all they're getting is older male attention and they think oh my god I'm so special I'm like different to all the other girls and then they do it and then they realize when they're older how disrespectful how gross that was mm-hmm. and how... how strange that was and yeah. how they thought the dynamic was okay and, and that and like say for example when they get to the age of 18 and they realize that their boyfriend when, when they were 12 was 18 and they look at 12 year olds they think how could I have even like how could I have even how looked could, attracted yeah, How could he have looked him? at me in yeah. a sexual manner? Absolutely. And and that's what I mean. It's so sad. And so that's why when people say, well, it's too early, I appreciate that 
on a on like a, a parent to child basis i think a really good rule is if your child asks answer them because they are only going to mm-hmm. go and find out that information somewhere else yeah 100 percent agree i also think that unfortunately the reality is that a lot of parents neglect that part of society and that part of education and so it needs to be given in school because yeah. go on and i think it is the information given is so limited at the minute especially not just in terms of the so we are given like the diagrams and we're given all that yeah what is really lacking and this is not just within the theme of like lgbt that we're talking about this is for everyone they miss out the before and the after mm, yeah they miss out the relationships that um need to be established and the bonds that need to be vital in order for the sex to be the, the eventual act of sex to be a pleasurable experience yeah because at the end of the day i've always been told you know you need to be you need to feel comfortable and safe with right. the person and like fundamentally people don't think that they think like either like first times don't need to be like horrible like they can be like loving and nice and like it's going to be awkward the first time everyone knows that yeah of course it is I mean you don't know what you're doing (laughs) yeah exactly but like you still need to feel safe and comfortable and it is possible because people have done that yeah so I completely agree and also like even the simple stuff that like like I've literally learned this stuff from like YouTube videos that's how limited my sex education has been the fact that like girls should we after they've had sex because um in case they didn't get like UTIs and stuff yeah. like that like why was I not taught that like right I feel like us too um as, as amongst many others we would go out and we'd find that information but what about the people that just don't yeah exactly or, or they find out that information too late yeah ex- absolutely and and I definitely think also like like you said before is so important um because like it's about establish it's about making sure you're on the same page because also right. that's where consent can in a lot of people's eyes get blurry because of the fact that um if you don't discuss it and you are in like a, a drunken haze or uh-huh. you like planned it and then you change your mind all of these things yeah. like was I consenting was I not yeah exactly and it's just about being open with your partner and this is what mm-hmm. I like reiterate again is the fact that like if you can't talk about sex with the person you are having sex with you shouldn't be engaging in it no you shouldn't and that it just it just shows a lack of knowledge that it could be damaging if you do do the act yeah absolutely Uh, but that's the sad reality which is why i just think that sex education needs to be revitalized fortunately the department of education is uh, putting in place a new syllabus which should be in place in september 2020 it says the new guidance is lgbtiq inclusive it teaches primary school students um, about the existence of queer families it obliges schools to increase the time they spent they spend teaching students about menstrual health and informed consent and it also introduces new guidance on risks related to social media and the internet for instance for instance sexting and revenge porn that is absolutely amazing to hear because especially yeah. going to what you first said, I remember sitting in them lessons thinking, this does not apply to me. Yeah, exactly. The oh. little knowledge that I'm getting does not even apply to me. Exactly. So absolutely. what am I going to do with this? Yeah, and, and that's unsafe in like a in, a in a different level when you completely neglect a, a major sector of society. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. <laughs> it kind of, I think, I honestly, I didn't go to a, a non-Catholic school, so I can't speak about it, but I do think... But in not, a Catholic school, we know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think in a Catholic school, there's so much to, taboo still. They like they don't really want to acknowledge that the LGBT community exists and thus why right. would why they even think about incorporating it into the, the sex education. But they need to because it's dangerous and for the welfare of their students, students it's just um horrific that they would even think about like not um not including it and not making yeah, it a safe environment 
what the Catholic school needs to realise is that they are first and foremost a point of education and yeah. secondary, they are a belief system. Yeah, exactly. So, um, to me, I, just, I don't know, I find it weird that they would possibly shut out some people that are in their school um, based upon beliefs that should come secondary to the child's education. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm getting... Um, someone on here for another episode where we talk about like whether re- whether religion should even be in schools because of the fact that it infiltrates so many layers of education and so so many right. features of society that are so important and, and function without religion but are neglected really within education because of the fact that oh we're a catholic school and it's like no uh-huh. because actually when people leave in year 11 or year 13 they're going to realize that the world isn't actually this safe haven that the school exactly. crafted for us that brings me on to, we got taught in GCCRE, uh, Judaism as a topic, right? Yeah. Now, we, as a school, we didn't follow, um, like, the Jewish, I mean, the, yeah, the yeah, Jewish yeah, code, yeah. anything like that. But it was still taught. So, fair enough, you may not be, believe the uh, choices that LGBT people, LGBT people make. Yeah. That's not to say that, that they it can't be taught in a science lesson. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. And, and it's the fact that you just need to acknowledge that that is... That is a lifestyle that people take, mm-hmm. drawing parallels to um, obviously Jewish people. Um, and whilst it might not necessarily agree with your um, with the uh, Christian uh, Christi, Christian um, belief system or whatever, it yeah. still exists, and you still need to uh, teach people about it because of the fact that um, otherwise we'd just be completely ignorant to every other subgroup within society. And I was thinking, um, at such an impressionable age these children have been um, told this and therefore when they exit the realm of school they're going to be going into life with a false perception of people that do do these things that do have um, a child when they're not married or 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 um, do have engaged in sexual activities exactly and they're gonna yeah exactly and they are gonna think that they're evil and and it's gonna isolate them and it is gonna make them um kind of not um integrate with people very well it yeah. breeds prejudice doesn't it like it yeah, really does absolutely but i i mean it's a different topic really isn't it about like um faith and like what what the purpose of it is it behind mm-hmm. it and like what the positives and negatives are but no i, I completely agree anyway we've gone on a bit of a tangent but I yeah no we think have that, um I, I need to discuss religion on this podcast because I think it's like for me it's featured in my life for so long and I, up until a few years ago I didn't even question it and yeah, I think that it's like, crazy, kind of shows how indoctrinated people can really be honestly like, because it I question really everything I question everything <laughs> I question everything <laughs> no but literally like I, 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 I if you ask my parents I challenge everything whether that be the fact that they told me to do a chore or whether that be the fact that they say to me you need to yeah. go to church every 15 every... years of knowing you yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> I know you question everything yeah and but... the fact that like you didn't question that to last year it really speaks volumes for how ingrained it does get in your head from yeah. such an early age exactly um but let's move on to um porn so honestly it's a a bit taboo and I remember I was in like year 11 and I remember a few boyfriends of my plethora of boyfriends (laughs) god I was just so (laughs) sorry um like set like brought it up with me and a girlfriend and they were like um what do you think about it and I just remember being embarrassed to like talk about it because it's so stigmatized for girls especially Uh red face (laughs) yeah absolutely blushing up Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Porn, but, not that word. Yeah, but to be fair, um, I, I do, I do appreciate it because obviously, um, whilst masturbation is is a different topic, I do think that that is stigmatised for girls. But what I'm more oh, to focus on is the fact that 
porn is quite it can be quite damaging right and we hear yes, like I... these horror stories of boys getting addicted to it boys and girls but I've heard a lot of like like personal anecdotes and also just online and um, I've not heard a lot of women open up about it but I'm sure it, is, it exists just as much and um, so what's yeah, your that's view a whole on other it? Issue why they can't open up about it yeah exactly what's your view on it so with this whole day this whole idea relating to should porn be banned mm. um I think a ban is more or less impossible okay yeah because you're always um, going to have illegal sites and stuff right exactly and it's not practical therefore I feel like it is damaging, therefore, an adjustment is needed. Okay, so like um, kind of um, rehashing it. Yeah, kind of like rehashing it. Like, for example, there could be a wider market for like amateur uh, porn. Yeah. Which is like more like newbies, more realistic. It doesn't give this like false, and I guess, mirage yeah. <laughs> of like this really weird scenario in which this um act plays out and it's just it's not it's not realistic right no this is exactly and this is the issue is the fact that it not only can get in the way of relationships because of the fact that it can be very consuming and it can literally get in the way of a couple's sex life if one or or both are addicted but also the fact that it really builds up this false image of what like sex actually is right and I just think that's really harmful because of the fact it's like when you see like reality TV sh- shows and stuff, and a lot of it is staged and a lot of isn't it isn't it? real. And it's the same like I think often we lose sight and like value. Um, I think we lose like reality, touch with reality, in the sense that it is like it is acting. It's all it's all staged, really. Like isn't that it? girl ain't having a good time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which which brings... she's thinking about what she's done with dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me on to another issue is the fact that um, there is a lot of corruption within the porn industry because a lot of the videos people see are like the girls especially are victims of sex trafficking or um, child porn, even Uh worse, which concerns me because big corporations um, like Pornhub are like people who are under five for this. And like Pornhub was like in year eight and year nine like that that was like the big thing that was what boys spoke about it was like Pornhub this Pornhub that have you seen this Pornhub meme yeah like watch this one tonight yeah exactly like, and, and I'm not saying that's that... weird it's not an episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like I do think that it's an issue that it's not spoken about and a lot of people don't know like I literally found that out through Twitter the fact that that's not on like mainstream news is concerning yeah the fact that it gets clouded by things that aren't exactly relevant and yeah. The toxic nature of the porn industry does speak for itself. Like it's deeply misogynistic. Yep. Um, I have to admit, and it's seen as they depict the woman sometimes more often than not, actually, as a tool for the man's pleasure. No, totally. And and this is another issue with it in the fact that a lot of people rely on it for education because like we discussed sex education Mm -hmm. doesn't fulfill um teenagers questions and especially when parents aren't open to talk about these things they go online like any other person do you know you need a window fix and you're going to look online you don't know what sex is you're going to look online and the issue within porn is the fact that no consent is discussed a lot of it is violent and people think that's normal and it's mm-hmm. not. And also the fact that, again, contraception is completely neglected. No one ever talks about that. And in reality, that's built up this image that girls are just okay with um, not using contraception and risking, obviously, pregnancies. And boys should just expect that from women, which unfortunately isn't reality. It's really not reality. And you, when you mentioned about consent, it reminded me. So it was a case in America and it was a, um, basically this uh, guy, he rapes a girl. Hmm. Um, so it was a rape case 
But when he was asked in court, why did he not stop when there was evidence that the girl was crying? And the, the guy responded, because in porn they don't uh, stop. God, that is horrific, isn't it? And, and it's that, horrific, isn't it? And that is an extreme case, but you, you are building up this like mini virtual world of what you expect it to uh-huh. be like. And not only is that going to cause an issue when you go to have sex and you like, obviously erectile dysfunction is like a massive issue in men because of the fact that they've relied so heavily on these fake images with like these girls who have like fake proportions yeah and like you are like hourglass yeah and their responses to the things men men do aren't realistic in like they're really not yeah exactly um and like it just causes a lot of problems so you say that you you don't think porn should be banned but have we not just discussed like the plethora of issues that stem from it right yeah we have discussed that and the thing is while that is so awful what we've just discussed yeah porn does allow a gateway to education that the sex edu- that the sex education that's taught in schools is lacking mm. um and we are also forgetting that porn uh, can be good in the sense of it can be used as a tool of education for example i think there's this uh, production company called uh pink and white mm. and um erica lush is the director of it. it's an adult entertainment uh, industry and it shows the um shows very inclusive porn so, okay. for example, like trans, queer, people of colour, etc., and yeah. they're not labelled like how they're labelled in um, porn that I fetishise. Like in Pornhub, there's a um, whole category uh, yeah, for like, really, interracial sex. There's really messed up categories on Pornhub, isn't there? It's really messed up and it's profoundly racist. Yeah. It really is. I know. And the fact that someone, when whilst we are living in a gap where we don't have changes in the edu- sex education uh, syllabus, possible avenues like that are maybe a good source of education and also just like exploration self-exploration yeah exactly so no i Um, I get that yeah and self-exploration this um brings me on to even another point there are people let's be real that do have like quite strange fetishes Mm -hmm, um or maybe not even strange fetishes but just want to explore themselves and porn allows them to explore their fetishes and explore them possible thoughts in a safe environment where they are not in danger of being hit they are not um in any kind of danger at all really yeah i I think fundamentally it comes down to the fact that everything should be in moderation and so if you are using porn in a healthy way and you are also um you don't necessarily have to be in a relationship but you are also you are in touch with reality and you know it is a bit fake or you are using websites like you say where it's like amateur porn and it's depicted a little bit more realistically then I I appreciate that I think that's I think that's very true I think fundamentally people need like the law needs to crack down on the horrific cases of like trafficking and underage porn yeah exactly I think potentially sex education and porn could work really well together if they were both kind of um, they need to be tied in hand in hand and have yeah. the same agenda and they were both kind of previewed I don't I'm I, I'm lost for the word now but they were both basically checked that they were okay and that they're consistent with reality and right, like yeah. maybe it's even like a case of like on every single porn video there needs to be like a warning beforehand about the fact that like um these are two like consenting adults and um yes and like please be aware about like contraception so I, I think even like simplistic stuff like that like 
because people are like you say people are always going to watch porn it's always been a thing it's ingrained within society and it's probably never going to go away no i don't think it's ever going to go away and so we just it's a multi-million dollar industry yeah we just need to make it safer for um impressionable people but also for people who are suffering weird like addictions and it's clearly like affected their relationships and family just having that disclaimer would be so beneficial because it just it would again inform that this is a show that you're watching it's not real um and it it you never know it could decrease the you know stds that are transmitted into people because they do have that disclaimer they are aware of the false reality that is porn no totally well we have hit 40 minutes oh my god already yes i know millie said that last time oh my gosh <laughs> yes the time flies right <laughs> exactly that i think that needs to be on motto time flies when you're having yeah, fun yeah time flies when you're having fun but <laughs> thank you so much for coming on it's been very very educational and i feel like um we've really explored a lot of different avenues and we really have i think we both <laughs> i think we both come to the conclusion that um the uk education system needs to needs to it's really flawed <laughs> yep it's really Basically. flawed and it needs to shape up um, yeah. So thank you very much, Joe. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. I've had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, some time. Yes. Abs- no, absolutely. Stay safe um, in many ways. Wash the hands. Wash the hands. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll speak to you later. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 That was Joe Dean. You can catch him on Instagram at Joe X Dean. That's J-O-E-X-D-E-A-N-E. It was a pleasure to have him on. If you have any topics or ideas that you specifically want us to discuss, just drop me an email. It's doitjustice at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check the Instagram account, which is doitjusticepodcast, or send me a tweet. It's doitjusticepod with the O being a zero. Thank you so much for listening to the end. Um, I hope you enjoyed. If you did, could you please give the podcast a shout on socials because I would be really grateful for that little bit of a promo. And I'll catch you next time. Stay safe.